Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I'm Dr. Law here with you as always. With me today, I got DJ Mark. Hello. I got Kid Presentable. Hey, hey. And I got the one and only Lavender Gooms. Hi, guys. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Well, for well you are, more, are you a morning know. host? Really happy drive time guy? For those of you that don't know, we had a little technical difficulty before where someone on the podcast thought I was lagging too much between our greetings. <laughs> Wait, well, I don't I don't think it was the lag. I never heard you more che- cheerful in my entire life. Do you know what I like that Mike said for those of you who don't know? Like, who knew? <laughs> who was aware besides we these know. four people? <laughs> Mark, Mark, Mike's got to bring up his grudges here. Um, my bad, Mike. My bad. Ladies and gentlemen, today on the podcast, we're going to talk about a fight card, which I watched, I think. I remember part of it. Um, Stefan saw some of it. Mike, you see shit? I see shit. Mike didn't see shit. Mark? Not a second. Not a second. You know what? That's about appropriate for a guy's running. I'm not even complaining. I'm surprised me and Stefan watch any of it. Like, deserved to be seen. Yeah, any of it. Any of it was more than it deserved to be seen. Um... We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about UFC 222's garbage this Saturday that's happening. We're going to talk, or 221, sorry. We're going to talk about the UFC 222 pay-per-view, which is quickly becoming the UFC 222 fight night special on Fox Sports. Um, UFC fucked something up this week. Um, talk about Mario Yamasaki being just the most garbage referee that's in the UFC right now ever since Mazagati's been kicked out. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's it. You guys ready to start? Of course. Yeah, bro. All righty, folks. Yesterday or Saturday or whenever the fuck it happened, the UFC was in Bellum, Brazil. And you know what, guys? They sold that motherfucker out. All right? They sold out an 11,000-seat arena, and none of those arenas in Brazil have air conditioning. I'm not just saying that. They, have, they don't have air conditioning. None of these ones. People are sweating balls watching this garbage card. So I just want to say, Brazilian MMA fans, man, g- good on you. Like, Our you're course. trying. You're doing what you can because. I mean, they, car- they exploited some hometown pride. I guess Lyoto, that's where he's from, right? Yeah, like- I'm trying to think. Like, let's be honest. Let's say this car- this exact card happens in San Jose. And you substitute, I guess, Rock. Man, Rockhold's still really good. No offense to Machida. Machida's not up there. Kung Lee. Maybe Gilbert. Maybe Gilbert. Maybe the cards in San Francisco, you put Gilbert on it. Do we go to this? Maybe. Yeah, probably. Nah. I would go. I'll be honest. I would go. Remember when Mark Munoz was headlining in uh, San Jose against... Uh, well, that was on a Wednesday. Wednesday. It was on a Wednesday. <laughs> was yeah, that was the problem. problem. We, were, we were at work, and I'm telling Mark, people are getting knocked out right now. They started fighting at 2 p.m. That was the worst shit ever. Um, anyway, UFC went out there to Bellum, Brazil, took advantage of a captive audience who was there to uh, see Leota Machida, and put on a garbage card. Um, main event, Mr. Machida taking on Eric Anders, a.k.a. Ya Boy. That's his nickname. Um, 
uh, former football player for the Alabama Crimson Tide. I know that because the fucking broadcast told me, I want to say 452 times. So we all got a really good idea that this guy's first choice didn't pan out. And he's now fighting MMA in Brazil at 11 p.m. on a Saturday, West Pacific time. Um, good career choices, folks. Yeah, good uh, good career choice. Um, co-main event, Valentina Shevchenko and Priscilla uh, Cachoeira, which, uh, we almost watched a woman die out there. Um, we'll get to that in a minute, but first off, um, as I'm the only one who saw this shit, um, I think, Stefan, you saw some highlights for the main event, right? Uh, well, I had, uh, DVR'd this, uh, props to, um, I guess Comcast, I'll say. So this card ran long, presumably, because my DVR cut off in the middle of the second round. Uh, you know the DVR had decided you don't need to see any more of this, and they're probably right. Um, so this was, if you've ever seen Machida fight, okay, you guys remember when Machida fought Quentin Jackson and Rampage spent two rounds chasing him, but won those rounds, kind of. Basically, we had five rounds. Um, the only difference was Machida's gotten older. You can hit him a little bit. Eric Anders was getting through a little bit, got on top of him a little bit. Um, there's nothing really to break down here, guys. I mean, there's, it was a split decision. Machida won that he won. It looked like some home cooking. If I had to pick, if I had to go, I would have gone um, 3-2 for the uh, Filipino kid, Anders. Um, it looks like the MMA media, about, I'd say, two-thirds picked for Anders. The rest for Machida. Um, whoever, the one judge who had a 49-46 scorecard was uh, Tony Weeks. And that was a, a the wrong scorecard. Um, they probably should have left him in Brazil because uh, he shouldn't be judging MMA. Um Machida, when the fight was over, said he wanted to fight Michael Bisping. Marcus, I think that's okay. Michael Bisping wants to go out fighting Machida. I'm okay with that fight. That seems yeah, about right. They're kind of in the same wheelhouse of, you know, past their prime. So, yeah, I mean, stylistically, it matches up somewhat interesting. So, yeah, I'm kind of okay with that. Yeah, Bisping's, Bisping's kind of quick. He might be able to chase Machida down, get him to engage a little bit. It'd be, I think it'd be a good matchup. Um, the worst-case scenario for Bisping, he's not going to have another, in all likelihood, like massive brain trauma. Leoto's not really putting anybody out. You know, yeah, you just get um, a good workout at the end of that match. Um, it sounds like Mich- um, Bisping's not going to be on that card in um, the UK because man got knocked out bad like a month ago. So, you know, and then before that, GSP domed on him. Um, was it three weeks before that? Um, Eric Anders, um, he showed he can hang. He's really young, as I think. I'm guessing. I hope. Um, it was hard to really tell exactly where we, we are with him just because of. I've seen that fight with people fighting. It's hard to look like only Yoel Romero went out there and smoked Leota Machida so quickly in recent years that I thought, oh, yeah, this motherfucker's a contender. It's kind of hard to do that against Machida in general. So Eric Anders is um, 30 years old. But, I mean, how many fights we into this thing? 10 and 1. And he didn't run out of gas for being the big muscular guy that he is, Steph. It kind of I was impressed that he was still there in the fifth round, uh, arguably winning. So... Good to see some young blood or youngish blood at 185. Um, Mike, co-main event. Um, Valentina Shevchenko went out there and beat this poor woman. Um, like it was a real like keep her away from my girl situation, as you would put it. Um, Mario Yamasaki wasn't going to stop this fight until somebody died. Um, he no, only stopped I, it because she I, tapped I out see, twice. I didn't see the fight. Just how egregious was 
the the butt whooping. Okay, first of all, whoever booked this thing, this was way too one-sided for somebody making their UFC debut to fight. Arguably, a woman that basically the one who's def, the woman who's definitely winning the the title at this weight class almost won the title at the last fuck at the weight class above. The second the fight started, you kind of knew. Like, these people are on different planets. And Valentina just beat the shit out of her. And at some point in the middle there, the girl, to- girl tore her ACL, which... Yeah. Um, uh, it says uh, she, she tore it in the first round. Yeah, so um, it was, it was a lot of bl- there's a lot of blame to go around here in terms of matchmaking, her corner not throwing in the towel. Um, Rampage Jackson today actually said something about, like, man, if someone's taking an ass whooping, their corner should throw in the towel. And I was like, Rampage hasn't made a good point. I don't remember in how many years, but there it is. Um, and then Yamasaki just let her get beat within an inch of her life, it looked like. It was really uncomfortable to watch because the crowd was silent. It was depressing. Um, Steph, did you catch any of this? Uh, yeah, I did see the entirety of this it fight. It was and, horrible. Uh, when, when Mike was looking for an example of how egregious was it, this fight did not need to have a second round is what this fight was. like. Wasn't it like a minute it and a half? Was it like two, yeah, two minutes into it, I'm like, whenever you want to stop this, Mario. Like, is, this is done. <laughs> it, it kicked off with Valentina just hitting her with a straight, and just the way she took the punch, you're like, oh, this is too soon for you. And there was just never anything, and it was elbows, it was elbows. And, I mean, in the second round, the what was the final count? Like 203 to 3 or something like that? 230 Shit. strikes to 3. Yeah. And like 150 of them were significant. It really was a situation that when Valentina finally choked her, it seemed like a mercy killing. Like, well, you're not going to stop this. And apparently, uh, I, I didn't go back and watch it, but I read a lot of people say it. Uh, Mario also missed an earlier tap. Oh, yeah. She tapped out twice. Like, it was, uh, it it was... just would not end it for her. She, she, I don't know, her mom rejected uh, Mario in an earlier lifetime. I, I don't know what happened. There was some uh, type of... Dana White really came out saying, like, this is nonsense. She, he shouldn't be refereeing anything. And the UFC's vice president of regulatory, regulatory whatever said, we're going to take steps to make sure shit like this never happens because, look, man, he's bad at his job. And you can't be bad at this job. Like, on that, you, you could, if you want to be bad, you better be stopping shit early. You know what I'm saying, Steph? Like, early. Side. Yeah, like, it was, um, it was just egregious. Um, it was really, it reminded me, Marcus, do you remember when we went and saw Cyborg beat that poor lady Cuddles for, like, three rounds? And just left her, like, made her look like ground beef at the end of it? It looked sure, like yeah. one of those fights. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's sad. It's not good. Not good look. Yeah, really bad look. Um, so, uh. Valentina's going to be the champion of this weight class. I'm getting a real Mighty Mouse vibe here where I'm like, oh, she was just not big enough. Like, she is very, she looked like a killer out there, Stefan. She looked like, I don't know, I don't, I don't remember the name of the champion is of this weight class, but she's going to lose, and it's not going to be close. Thanks. I, I think that's true. Um, you know, it's, it's tough to gauge. Like you said, we're also qualifying this against a very overmatched opponent, you know? Mm-hmm. Who's to say? But we we don't really know what this division is either, right? It it, it still needs to settle. It still needs to find itself. But I will say is uh, it's you know it re- reminds me of something I said uh, say with Joanna uh, watching her fight is her punches pop in a way that not a lot of fighters do in this division. Like when they hit you, they look like they hurt, and she looks like she's got some mean mean intent. But uh, I think they have a potential star on their hands with Valentina, anyways. So I think we're all hoping for the best for her in this division. Um, Marcus, um, 
not, I know you didn't see the fight, but just to give you, to give you an idea what happened here in our uh, third bout from the top, Michelle Prezeris and Desmond Green. Uh, Prezeris came in six pounds over, I think. Yeah, it was 161. Once, no, he came out six pounds over, and it was his third time missing weight in the last four fights. And then he agreed that he wouldn't show up on fight night weighing more than 170 pounds. Okay. And he showed up weighing 181 pounds. <laughs> and he had to, he's he had to give 40% of his check to the other guy. Well, yeah, he that's... won. He was 30 pounds heavier than the other motherfucker. He got on top of him. Damn, no, you never know. <laughs> no, that's, it was nonsense. That's pretty comical, honestly. That is and unprofessional mostly, mostly the, like, okay, we're going to let you fight, but, dude, you can't be more than 170 tomorrow. <laughs> No What's worries, that? man. I got it. I got it. I got it from here. And it's like now you're ten pounds heavier. He's like, all right, let's go to Sizzler. Was the <laughs> guy was, was the guy he was fighting as angry as the Babachan that fought that was gonna fight Gabby Garcia? He he was not happy, but he's like, fuck, man. I flew all the way to Brazil. He saw what happened to John Dodson, by the way. Let's talk about that because John Dodson was supposed to fight whatever the fuck the other guy's name was. I don't That's care. Right. Um, okay, yeah. Some, somebody look it up while we're talking. And because the uh, hotel ran out of hot water for this professional mixed martial arts event at in the highest uh, league in the world, their hotel ran out of water. The kid couldn't get hot water for his Epsom, Epsom salt bat and couldn't lose weight. Um, John Dotson didn't take a fight with a guy who was closer to uh, the other, the next weight class than the one he's in. And then the UFC said, we're not paying him any of his money, not even his show. Even though John Dotson did everything he said he was contractually obligated to do. And then the internet shamed the UFC into giving John Dotson some John Dotson some of his money. No. Well, that's good. So good yeah, shaming. Had to get, good shaming. So uh, and Desmond Green probably saw that shit like, man, I I flew all the way to Brazil. The UFC only paid for one corner man flight, which is true. So I had to pay for two other expensive ass flights. I paid for this camp. All right, I'll fight this big motherfucker. And he's gonna get watch him get cut or something. So it's fucking embarrassing. He was Shit supposed to fight Pedro Munoz. Pedro Munoz did not get close to wait. Not even a little. Damn, bit close. he only missed by four pounds, though. I mean, and it was a bad fight. Um, we're not even talking about that aspect. It was a pretty boring fight. Yeah, was, no, uh, I mean, uh, Pedro Munoz. Hey, man, you agree to fight at a weight, and you show up closer to the other way. He showed up at one thirty, right? But yo, I mean, or one forty. This other dude showed up at one hundred eighty-one pounds. Well, I mean, that was not at the weigh-ins. That was at the <laughs> the next day. <laughs> he, still, he was six pounds over on weigh-ins. Honestly, like the the, like, the Brazil card seemed like such a clown shoes operation because like Tim Means got fucked um, in that Sergio Moraes fight. Uh, Sergio Moraes didn't win that thing. Uh, like that was some home cooking. Machida got some home cooking. Like I, I feel all of a sudden we get really like questionable with a lot of the fucking rules. I don't uh, think that's necessarily new though. I've been saying for a while that there's been a lot of fights that I've seen in Brazil, and it's like, and a lot of times they're they're really close. Maybe these were a little more egregious, but there's oh, been no, a lot of really close was, fights. Tim Means won that shit, <laughs> and I mean there's been a close fights, and I'm like, yeah, Sunsal's gonna win this. Like when he fought TJ, I was like, at that point I didn't know. I was like, I think TJ won that fight. I think he did just enough. He lost. Like, that was mm. that one. That one. That fight was, that so was close. close. And I then honestly... he fought. Then he fought Marlon Moraes, right? And I was like, okay, he lost that one. It was close, but I think he lost. I was like, oh, wait, we're in Brazil though. I know he won that one. He is it? Is one. it? Is it Marlon Moraes Brazilian too though? 
but he's not as Brazilian, Bobby. He's not as Brazilian. He trains with Americans. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Stefan, is there anything else on this card you want to talk about? Uh, yeah, it was pretty bad, wasn't it? Uh, I just want to say, about, what about Timothy yeah, Johnson? Yeah, yeah. Now we move on. Timothy Johnson, Timothy Johnson, like with his cop mustache, sat on top of this Brazilian for three rounds. Yeah, do you, if you like seeing like a big fat man with a mustache hug another man for uh, the entirety of the f- match, this is the match for you. I mean, I know who Timothy Johnson is. That's more or less what I expect. Uh, Most of Mark, us, the mustache is, is like still in play. Match of how you play the UFC video game. Like, if you can yeah. just clinch your way through the entire match, you know, you feel like you've accomplished something. That was the living embodiment of that. Uh, poor Joe Soto going out. Uh, uh, in his, he's got no contract in his last two fights. Is he got hit by a calf slicer in December in the first thirty seconds of a fight, and he got clipped. Kind of weird in this one by Uri Alcantara in the first minute. So two losses in a minute thirty going into free agency. So sorry, Joe Soto. Um. So yeah, I just want to say again, Brazilian people, Brazilian MMA fans. I mean, I'm not sure it's good that you still support this thing. Ten thousand people showed up for this garbage, but hey, man, you support your boy. So props. Um. All right, we're talking about some news from this week. Um, I think everybody kind of knows what's going on in this regard, roughly, if you're listening to this podcast. So, um, Max Holloway got hurt, um, and can't fight Frankie Edgar on the UFC 222, uh, card. Which, um, if you look at the UFC 222 card, uh, much like the UFC 221 card, it's not awesome, um, for lack of a better term, um, the co-main event was Stefan Struve and Andre Arlovsky, and that's – I'm starting to believe the Ariel Hawani theory on co-main events where your co-main event has to be good enough to be the main event in case shit falls apart. And that's not – Pretty good idea, yeah. That's why you put the word main event in there. Um, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Curtis Blades, Mark Hunt, Fox Sports 1, main event. Let's go, baby. Yeah. Um, it's – it was – so, yeah, we, uh, we lost Max Holloway. Uh, which sucks because I mean Max Holloway, very active champion. Um, so it is what it is. So they try to uh, they're trying to get Brian Ortega to fight Frankie Edgar, which would be for not a championship, not the interim title or whatever fake title name they come up with it. Um, that was the biggest like surprise in this whole story. Well, yeah, what? Well, not an yet. interim belt. Stefan yet. Yet, all right. We're gonna why, get to this. We're, why they haven't gonna... announced an interim title? Huh. because they're kicking around the idea for an intercontinental belt. Exactly, IC title here. Um, but the thing is, Brian Ortega is on the last fight of his miserable contract. Um, Brian Ortega, as he puts it, still lives in the hood. Um, so uh, Brian Ortega, they're not gonna let him. Even if he was willing to, they're not gonna let Frankie uh, Brian Ortega win a title. And beat Frankie Edgar on pay-per-view and have no contract. And then have to negotiate with that. Um, so they're trying to get Brian, Brian Ortega in general to agree to a fight. It looks like they're pretty close to Brian Ortega fighting Frankie Edgar in what would be the co-main event of this card. Um, they call up TJ. They, they, no, they, they do. They call up Cody Garbrandt. And they say, Cody, do you want to fight TJ Dillashaw in a month for the Bantamweight Championship? Cody's like, I yes, I would like to be champion again. So, yes, I'm going to say yes. And then, rather than ask TJ Dillashaw, they leak to Combate, their favorite news source in Brazil, that this fight is set and is going to be the main event in four weeks of UFC 222. All right? 
And then they try to they call up TJ Dillashaw to be like, so TJ, this shit's happening right. And TJ said, um, fuck no. Because TJ Dillashaw's hurt, his wife's pregnant, and he doesn't want to fight in four fucking weeks. Um So uh we had a bunch of MMA fans call him a pussy. TJ doesn't care because TJ's been called a snake for the last two years. So TJ recognizes he got like eight people left that support him. And most of them live in his house. So um now we're going to pos- – and look, um, we went through this, Marcus, uh, last year where TJ was on the other side of this coin calling Mighty Mouse a bunch of names because Mighty Mouse didn't want to fight him on short notice. So, yeah, I it, it, uh, I mean, when you don't have the belt, yeah, you're going to call out the champion and be like, yeah, yeah, fight me tomorrow. I'm ready. I'm hungry for it. When you have that so belt, like- you're like, I'm going to be a little more you know, smart about my decision making here. I want to hold on to this thing. So, I mean, so that, the, that's cost, the cost is, you know, in this, you though, to lose, you're not willing to sacrifice as much. So the cost in this is the UFC trying to dick these guys. All right. Oh, yeah. Always. And, and TJ Dillashaw is not an idiot. All right. TJ Dillashaw is like, hey, I lost a split decision to Dominic Cruz, which a lot of people thought he won. In fairness to him, UFC matchmaker told him he thought he won. And then they made till TJ Dillashaw take two other fights and wait like two years to get another fight for the belt. And let's remember, this is the same TJ Dillashaw that took a super, it doesn't get more last-minute fight against Joe Soto. Yeah, Mark was there. He took that fight on one-day notice. That's TJ Dillashaw. Well, he did that for them. So TJ Dillashaw, company man, doesn't exist. Company man shouldn't exist, period, with this fucking organization at this point. Um, So what did TJ Dillashaw say today? He said, all right, if they make it worth my while financially, I'll do it. But again, I'm injured and I'm not fighting. I'm not uh, training. So, Marcus, I'm real hyped when he paints the picture like that, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't even know why he would say that at all. Because I don't want to see a fight where a guy's like, "Yeah, I'm hurt. I'm not training. I'm I just going to phone in to get a paycheck." I mean, look, like, I think TJ, I think TJ said that on purpose to make sure everybody know, continues to know what the fuck's going on here. Well, yeah, and I and I think and I also I read I think it was on MMA fighting. They say like the him and DJ are getting closer to signing that fight, which yeah. I think is just a bigger fight. So why not hold out to that? Why jeopardize a much bigger paycheck just because the UFC is in a tight bind? You know, like you said, Bob. I mean, back in the day, it kind it didn't. I mean, really, it didn't really make sense for anyone to. I be mean, they, the but they, were, they had like lo- they had locker room bonuses and shit back then. That like they tried well, they to. That, you know. yeah, but if I don't see numbers, I don't give a fuck what they say. Like, oh yeah, I mean, I, I gave this guy a million dollars. And don't worry, it's not on the books, but I fucking did it. I mean, that's one thing altogether. But really, it's just like you should always be in the best interest of you. And I mean, the company's going to have its ebb and flows. You shouldn't sacrifice not only your financial well-being, your you know physical well-being, just so, you know, Dana White can, you know, wax his head a little better the next day or something. You know, it's just not you, you got to look out for yourself. Protect your neck. Is that a ball? Exactly. Shirt? Yeah, it is because he's bald. Nice. Yeah. And then like a like a like a lone ranger. Like a cowboy in the night. Like all these metaphors that aren't really making sense. A man rides in on his horse and calls Lance Pugmire of the LA, LA Times and said, Hey man, I'd fight. And who is that man? Nate fucking Diaz. Now Mike, who do you think is more expensive? Injured TJ Dillashaw or Nate Diaz? <laughs> you mean our savior Nate Diaz? Our I lord and Nate, savior. <laughs> I think that's a pretty easy answer there, don't you think? Yeah, um, the UFC, basically, Stefan, you said uh, that you're surprised they didn't do it yet. Let's be honest. These are our options. Pay Nate Diaz too much money. Pay TJ Dillashaw to fight hurt and not trained. Three, make this a Fox Sports card. Four, 
Interim title. What's your guess? And you know who get that interim title shot too? There's a forgotten man as Brian Ortega. So I like Brian Ortega, but why aren't we talking about Darren Elkins? This man is on a tear. But that's, uh, that's a decent that's point. I, I just wanted, I, call it, uh, I think it was uh, Luke Thomas who said it. Like, you know what's kind of the thing that when you step back at all this is how much their event, like how much they suffer event to event without, a, like, without these main events. Like, I, I know they've been talking like, uh, you know, on the MMA beat, all the guys, like one of the constant topics for them has been like the overall health of the sport. And wow, like how helpless the UFC are and the binds that they're supposedly in such short term. This isn't like down the year. This is like right now. They, they just they did this all to together. themselves, too. That's the best part. They did this entirely to themselves. I know. And like we're talking about putting three title fights on one card like I mean, and then, like I said, uh, this is, a, and you have these cards that just are not worth money, and that's what you want to do. It's crazy. I mean, we're gonna talk about a card that's not worth money, and when we're picking these fights later. Um, and you know what? We talk. All this all ties in together, which is ultimately the UFC sale and the UFC trying to get a new TV deal and putting on big cards. And the UFC announced uh, the other day that they are going to back to Chicago, and they are going to do pay per view in Chicago for the first time ever. And Stefan. Why are they going to do pay-per-view in Chicago? Oh, because the man himself, he's about to get his second fight. Hell yeah! Um, Wait, you're Ariel... not talking about the three-time world champion, are you? He's the only three-time in the bank fight twice, bomb. are you? Money. Okay, um, I know me and Stefan are giant um, CM Punk marks. Um, so fuck everybody who's not. Let me put that out there. But let's just... I think we need to get past the point, because this shit's happening, about arguing whether he should be in the UFC, because he definitely shouldn't. We all know that. This, he should be in this UFC. That being said, UFC caliber means nothing anymore. Um, and in a world where everybody wants everybody to get paid more, Steve Miocic couldn't sell fucking, you know, water to a fucking, you know, man dying in the desert. And he sold 450,000 pay-per-view buys because of CM Punk last time. So um, uh, Ariel was saying, Steph, that he thinks they sell out the United Center with CM Punk on the card. I honestly think they do because he's that big of a deal still, especially in Chicago. Really? I, I mean, I'd go. I love CM Punk. Yeah, I wanted his hoodie yeah. so damn bad. That, that's what started my whole rant on why is there Chuck Liddell gear on the Reebok UFC store, but I can't buy something for the guy who's fighting right now. I Okay. Um, I love CM Punk. Um, Marcus, um, I know you like the Power Ranger idea. Um, assuming they don't go with that idea. What do you think of just booking him against the guy that uh, Mike uh, Mickey Gall beat? That guy um, who was like 0 and 1? That Mike Jackson guy? Michael Jackson guy? Is that the guy that's like a photographer? Yeah, him. Let's just okay. do that. <laughs> I mean, really, the whole time you were talking about this, the only thing that was going through my mind was who does he fight? Who? Literally, who does. And, and, and that's actually a good pull, Bobby, because that's the only. You have to, he has to fight someone who has another occupation who is doing this like on the side. And no one really is in the UFC that isn't like, you know, hasn't put in the time. So, I mean, maybe that is. I mean, I guess that fight makes sense. Because really, I mean, to me, yeah, when, when you're talking about CM Punk, which I hadn't heard these rumors, um, but it, I mean, it makes sense. He does draw. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But I mean, it's he kind of needs a dance partner that and maybe not for me, because I mean, I don't I don't know who you throw him in there besides the Power Ranger thing, which I still think is a smart move. I still Look at you! You blew it the first time. You're getting it, you know. You, you took a three point shot. You shouldn't have, but you got the rebound. 
going for the dunk this time, all right? And get yeah, the power. Don't put him, I'm just saying, don't put him against a super prospect, man. Well, like, yeah, come on. Was... Where's Where's Rudy Bears? Can we sign Rudy Bears? I, I, even a Rudy Bears, Bobby. This, you need someone. I know, I'm, not saying he, I'm not saying he's winning. All right, let's be clear. I don't let's, think he's be winning. Real. let's be real. We don't need him against a super prospect. We need him against someone that's not good. Yeah, yeah they're not. The too. UFC is not planning ahead anymore. Just pick any bum that he can fight. Um, I want to say a couple things about CM Punk just real quickly because I know MMA fans love shitting on CM Punk for some reason. I hope people realize that he's doing this and he really wants it. And he's doing this in lieu of taking independent bookings or joining Ring of Honor or New Japan. And I'm saying these names and people are like, oh, you know, he's making $500,000 in the UFC, a million dollars in the UFC. I don't think people realize how big of a deal CM Punk is. CM Punk is God to the hardcore uh, wrestling community. And the, inter- and the independent wrestling scene is thriving. The Japanese wrestling scene is thriving, and he's completely not under contract. And, like, he could have done that in two seconds. They're going to run an independent show in September in Chicago. They're trying to do a 10,000-seat independent wrestling show. And if they put his name on it, it will sell out in 12 minutes. So, All right? Or that he could be, he, that he, he could be doing that. He He could make so much more than 500K. All right? I mean, Vince, I, McMahon, Vince McMahon would crawl on his knees to suck CM Punk's dick to get him back into UFC. I mean, getting to WWE. That's how big of a deal CM Punk is. And again, I'm not saying this means he's going to win or he should even be in the UFC. But this isn't a fucking joke to him. And he's been doing this now for three and a half years. He signed in October of 2016. So two and a half, no, two and a half years. So if he fights in whatever, it'll be almost three years when he fights. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what the MMA fans are saying negatively about CM Punk. I can imagine. Um, but it's commendable what he's doing. But the reality is, is that he's going about this the wrong way, right? You don't mm, start sure. MMA. Yeah. You don't start a brand new sport where you have no real combat experience, which CM Punk doesn't. I mean, pro wrestling, like we talked about last week with Ronda Rousey, is just a completely different thing. It is it is fabricating what rest, what a fight is, but it's doing it in a manner which you're trying to protect yourself and the other person. It's a completely different thing, you know, the... the Doing a sleeper hold is different than a rear naked choke, okay? Because one, you're you're squeezing the life out of someone. The other one, you're trying to make it seem like you are, but you're not. So, I mean, to have someone just start this at the age that he's at and then to jump in the biggest organization, and this was a misstep on the UFC, throwing him against an extremely skilled, you know, high-talented prospect is just not the way you go about it to get better at this sport. Cause, do you, because Do you it, think it they care? Dis- it does a disservice to... To us as the fans who get excited to see the fight. And it does a disservice to CM Punk. Because, Bobby, you're saying that he's been training for three years. And training is all well and good. But you need that ring time. You need to know what it's actually like to get in there. And, look, he might be training for three years. He's had one fight. And it lasted all of... Was it even a minute? I think it was three minutes. That that seems really a lot longer than I remember. Because I remember him taking down... It was was, was either... I don't know. It was was over a minute. It might have been three minutes. It could have been. But it wasn't close. My point being, there was no point in that fight where he got his legs underneath him, right? Where it's like, okay, I'm in the fight. I'm throwing jabs. I'm moving around. I'm I'm getting positions where I'm doing all right. I'm in positions where, you know, I'm struggling. There was no like, oh, this is the things I could take away from this fight. Because all you took away was like, man, I need to get better at everything. All my skill sets need to improve vastly if I'm going to hang at this level, which I, I don't know if he'll ever be able to hang at the level that Mickey Galt was at, at that night. But, I mean, I, I think that's what is upsetting, at least to me as an MMA fan. I'm not, I'm not upset that this guy's interested in MMA and basically is, you know, 
setting aside the moneymaker, his real career choice being a pro wrestler to get into the, the uh, you know, the MMA game. But I mean, I, I, I talked about the guy before and he, I think Bobby Lashley kind of did it the right way. He took, he was in small organizations. They fed him guys that he was going to be able to dominate and he got his feet underneath him a little bit. He got, he kind of understood this is how an MMA fight is. This is what I can do. This is what I can't do. And we haven't seen that with CM Punk because he had one fight. They threw him in a guy that was just way vastly than him. Honestly, Marcus, I think they didn't care enough. I think they just, I mean, if we look at the timing of when he fought, it was a month before they sold this fucking thing. Yeah. And, and they're not, I mean, sure. They don't, that's the same thing this time too. They're not, they don't see, we said it before. They don't, they can't see the forest from the trees. And so I this think, is this again. But I mean, I just want to say, I mean, look, we know he's doing this wrong. Every part of this is wrong, but. Just I'm looking at like Forbes wrote an article about him fighting in Chicago just based on him tweeting an emoji of him like retweeting the Chicago announcement. Insider Car News has an article about this shit. He's got articles on every random fucking site in the world here talking about him. And Uproxx, Pundit Arena, Sports Kita, Fan Sided, all these have this. And you know what? I hope the fighter who makes pay-per-view points on that card really appreciates it because it's because of him. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think just for me, it's just disappointing that he's he's sacrificing so much and he's not going to get what I think he ultimately kind of wants to get, which is like get some competitive fights where he can actually see what he's made of instead of just getting completely overwhelmed. Because this isn't pro wrestling and what you're saying, Bobby, I, I don't know anything about it. I haven't watched it. It's completely true. But in pro wrestling, yeah, your popularity, that'll win you wrestling matches because you're popular. They want to get you over. This isn't wrestling. I'll say it every time. This is not wrestling. You cannot jump into this sport thinking, I know how to jump off the top rope. Now I know how to do flying arm bars. Those things do not translate. I mean, I don't think anybody's making that argument. I that That's the argument I'm making against CM Punk is that you can't just jump into the UFC or any really any organization and just think that you're going to like, you're going to come out smelling like roses. You have to put the time in. And I think that's what, I, I mean, ultimately what, what I've liked to, what I would have liked to see first start lower. In the reality that he started in the UFC, be like, you know what, guys? I, I learned a lot in this fight. I need to get some experience. I need to go to small organizations and work my way up. And once I get three wins under my belt and I'm three and one and I know what to do in here, I know I can get someone's back if I take him to the ground. I know I can sink in a rear naked choke. And not only does that give him confidence, it gives me more interest in the fight because I'm like, okay, I've seen CM Punk fight now and I've seen him not look like a fish out of water. So I, I think I think everything you're saying is right. I just think the circumstances of wh- how he ended up where he did, there was too much money to be made for everybody. Because I think the time that- point though is, uh, no one faults him for taking the opportunity that was in front of him, but we all think he should have said no. I think also his age played a factor into this, man. I mean, he's like he was like 37, 38. I mean, I remember Batista. I mean, you guys know the uh, actor now, Batista. He's a pro wrestler. And he really, he took an MMA fight after he left the WWE really under the radar. It was like a small show in Florida, and he beat some guy that would be the type of guy Mark is suggesting CM Punk should fight. And Batista's got no real athletic background, to my understanding, at least. Um, He'd been doing jiu-jitsu for a long time before that, though. He'd been doing jiu-jitsu the same amount. CM Punk has been, too. He didn't go out there and grapple a motherfucker. He went out there and punched a guy a bunch. Long story short... Uh, I'm drawing the parallel because Batista also left a, at a, a late age. He was old too. And then he fought one fight and he never really got off the ground because of his age. And Bellator half tried to sign him, but to fight Bobby Lashley and nothing ever got out of that. I think everything you're saying is true. I just think this was also the natural consequence of 
him being as hot as he was and the UFC being desperate as they were when they signed him because that was coming off their worst pay-per-view year ever. And he was on fire. He just left. He lit the, you know, he burned the bridge with napalm on the way out the door. He he crashed SoundCloud on Thanksgiving. They put out a podcast him explaining why he left the WWF. It crashed SoundCloud. I remember trying to get get the get the download the fucking thing. So again, you're totally right, Stefan. Maybe you should have said no, but here we are, and he's probably gonna go out there and fight. And if he loses, this is probably it. But I just hope you know everybody gets paid. And I'm gonna be I'm gonna be rooting for him. So God bless him. So he's not gonna I don't think he's gonna win though. I don't care who it is. Realistically. So yeah. I mean I I'd love to see I mean, yeah, I, I want him to win too, I guess. You know, I'm not a big fan, so I'm not like personally invested. It's in gonna it. be cool to see the crowd explode but when they I, do what what I, what I really like to see is like his hard work that he says he's putting in come to some kind of fruition where I see this because I mean we we watched all the lead up to that fight and throughout the whole thing I was like, this guy's not ready. Like I'm not, I'm watching cut footage of him training and I can just tell like this guy's not ready for professional MMA fight at this league, especially against Mickey Gall. Um, but just in general, he didn't have the, the, the motor reflexes, the, the basic things you need, you know, the basic, the basic know-how to be able to compete, you know, in a mixed martial arts fight. What I'd like to see in this next fight is that, yeah, he needs to be matched against someone more his, 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 uh, pace. And I, I want to see what he can actually do in there against someone who's of his level and actually see him compete. I think that'd be interesting. And then see him improve. And if he does that, I think that's interesting. Even if he loses, if it's a if it's a fight where he had some kind of, you know, he had moments where he's doing all right and he's landing things or he's getting in positions that are dominant, I think that's enough to motivate him even to get another fight after that. But if he goes out there and kind of what I expect, he'll fight someone that maybe isn't known but has had a few fights under his belt. Maybe this photographer guy is the best bet. Um, I really think that's the best option. I think it I is. Mean, I, think, I think it is. I mean, I don't know much about the guy, but just knowing that he's 0-1 and he has another occupation puts me in the light of someone that is just starting MMA as well, right? And that's what CM Punk is. But yeah, I'd love to see him go out there and see him have some kind of skill set because I didn't really get what, like, like Stefan has pointed with a lot of fighters, like what is CM Punk good at in MMA? I don't know what that is because you can't hit someone with, with the go to sleep. You know, you're not going to get someone to stand up in a fireman's carry and then drop them into a knee. That's not something that's going to happen. I mean, I don't know, man. We, we, we saw a Boston Crab a few months ago. That did not look legit, by the way. But <laughs> that happened. Um, well, let's move on because, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I think he's going to fight in Chicago. He's going to be on pay-per-view. They're going to play, you know, cult of personality. The crowd's going to lose their fucking mind, and then he's going to possibly lose. And we'll see. So yeah. I hope, you know what, you know, I hope it goes well. I hope they match him up well, and we have a good fight, and we see this guy Show it, you know, I, I want to see someone with some heart and guts and because, you know, he has the passion. So I want to see that in the fight, you know, um, Mike, um, I'm uh, I'm going to say something here and I guarantee you it's going to make Mark's eyes roll, possibly his head explode. All right. So remember a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I mentioned the UFC signed a deal with Modelo and a lot of their fighters were signing deals with Modelo. Big giant beer company, right? Yeah. So they paid for a two page like fake interview, like a paid advertising. It sounds like an interview, but it's like a fake text interview uh, in Esquire. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, one picture, one side of it is a little couple, three questions to a guy. The other part is a picture of said guy. This is their first one doing this. Who did they pick, Mike? Who's in Esquire? Conor McGregor? Nope. You're assuming the guy fights. Is it a it's Dana, baby. 
It's Dana White, man. What do you mean? It's not even a question. Who'd you think it was gonna be? It's the fucking face of the company. The guy it's who the face of the, the company. PR you got you, you. Dana White goes over always. All right. I, Dana I would, White brings. <laughs> I would have thought it would have been either one of their more popular fighters or a Mexican fighter. They chose the second most popular person in the promotion, I man. Thinking, what do you mean? Uh, Mike, we're on the same page. I was thinking, like, maybe Hispanic fighter, like, Melendez or something, or Kane. But, nope, it's got to be Dana, baby. Stefan, did you even, like, did you even consider somebody else? Or the minute I started talking, you're like, it's probably Dana. I remember the launch of the UFC magazine. There is only least- one man. If it's not Ronda, it's, gets, it's Dana. Those are the only yeah. two people that exist. <laughs> in the world with all due respect to conor mcgregor it's dana ronda then conor i'm surprised uh dana weiss on the cover of ufc3 <laughs> oh i mean that's but you're, you're gonna talk about that game later right that's coming up in a little bit but there ain't much yeah. to talk about. yeah <laughs> oh wow jesus christ okay um you guys want to talk about let's do uh memoirs of a fight fan yeah. Or are they going to pick fights first? Let's, Wait, you know, let's pick fights. It'll be real. Let's pick fights. It'll be real quick. Couple fights. <laughs> yeah, we're going to pick. I was only going to pick two fights, but Mark, being the hardcore MMA fan that he is, said we got to pick one more. So we dug one out of the prelims to pick. Also, first off, though, we're going to crown a UFC interim. I mean, fake. I mean, intercontinental champion at middleweight, where your boy Yoel Romero. He's going to go goose-stepping around that octagon trying to take out the surfer himself, Luke Rockhold. You guys remember when they used to, when they did Luke Rockhold versus uh, Tim Kennedy, and they advertised it as the Marine? Uh, Tim Kennedy, they said, the Army Ranger versus the surfer. And Luke Rockhold was real miffed like, hey, man, no one's going to think I can win this fight. <laughs> if you word it like that. Um, anyway, Luke Rockhold's saw, coming to this fight. I saw a picture of him skateboarding as well. Luke? Yeah. I mean, look, yeah, that's, <laughs> you know, man's uh, outdoorsman, kind of. Not really, I guess. Um, Luke Rockhold, minus 140. Yoel Romero, plus 130. I don't remember the last time either one of these guys fought. Luke Rockhold fought last September. Yeah, he was beat it Branch? David Branch. Yeah. Against David Branch. Branch was a Branch hadn't lost in a long time either, right? That was like Branch was on like a 20-fight win streak or some shit. And if I'm right, Yoel Romero last fought against Jacare. No, no, he lost to Bobby Knuckles. Yeah, he lost. Oh, to he, got, he got he, he got real tired, like two oh, minutes, two rounds into this. He got tired like two rounds into that fight. I um, love how he talks. Yeah, um, I got Rockhold. I don't got analysis, Stefan. Oh man, this is actually pretty tough. Um, it is. I can, I can super see either one smoking the other one. Uh, but then again, no one smokes around. I I want Rockhold to win. Really Romero's losing that. all these fights before he wins. That's the problem. All your memories of Romero is him losing a fight and then pulling it off in the last round. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Luke gets his shit together, but he he has moments in the start of fights, man. He he leaves himself vulnerable, and that is when Yoel is most dangerous. I mean, he got cracked by Dave Branch, of all people. You know, uh, if Yoel hits anything, it's gonna be a lot worse. But Luke just seems too good to not be a champion. So, yeah. Go, Luke. That's the, uh, Mark. Yeah, I, I, I like to make it exciting. And I think this is, I mean, we're talking about, you know, this card being, you know, not very good. But I love Bad. this fight. This is, I mean, th- I, for me, I, I know Stefan's on the boat, but this is worth paying money for to me. Because the whole time Bisbing was champion, I was like, look at these two motherfuckers. 
these guys are fucking awesome. Why aren't they fighting this guy? Um, he and now they're fighting one of them each out. other. What's that? He knocked one of them out to win the championship. He did, and that was Bisbing's best accomplishment his entire life. And, you know, and I mean, this, this, this is the kind of caliber of fights I want to see in welterweight because this is the kind of caliber of fighters we have, and they should be, you know, fighting each other. So um, that all being said, I do like Rockhold in this fight. Um, I think the wrestling game is kind of a wash because these guys are both excellent wrestlers. And it really comes down to kind of what, you know, you guys both talked about. Romero, if he finds that spot, he ex his explosions are so – he he just – kind of like Nganu, he waits for that moment. And when the moment comes, he explodes with full power. And you look at that dude, he's got a lot of power to burn. Problem is, if he doesn't get it done when he explodes, he's kind of done. And I think if, if Luke's smart, he's going to kind of, you know, hopefully wait for Romero to explode and then use those kicks to the body to really slow this guy down. And I think if he can get those kicks off and not – into a grapple fest, I think he could be successful here. So I am going with Rockhold, but I almost Marcus want to pick Romero just to make it fun. But Marcus, question: um, Do you really think? And I'm preface what I'm saying here with: um, Imagine the first six minutes of the fights only. You don't think if Romero wants to, Luke Rockhold ends up on his ass with a yeah. takedown? Because I really I, think he ankle picked one dude just by reaching down and grabbing his leg and throwing him in the air. Like that I, happened. I think it, it's I think it's very feasible because he has that kind of explosiveness. But um, I, I think it would have to be predicated on. Luke not setting up a strike right like like he he overextends on a punch or something which we've seen him do I mean that's kind of how he lost against Bisbing you know he just he got into the pocket missed and he was just exposed and he got capitalized on I be if Luke's make makes that mistake again that's kind of something in his DNA that he needs to fix um and I think that's where Romero could but I don't think in distance Romero's going to be able to shoot a double and just surprise Luke and get a takedown that way but I think I think it's totally possible I think that scenario is much more likely than Rockhold taking him down unless it's later in the fight, right? Like when Romero is really tired, I think Luke could potentially get him down. But I think early on when Romero's fresh, you're not going to be able to take that guy down. He's too explosive. He knows how to sprawl too well. Do you think, um, I guess I'm going to put this question to Mike as he makes his picks. So do you think that if Luke Rockhold is fighting at his, if everybody fights at their absolute best, is Luke Rockhold the best? Is, the, is Luke Rockhold the champion of this division, Mike? Yeah, because we've seen... Because I think that. At, at, at his best, he's better than everybody. Best, and he was the champion. Frankly, the only reason he's not champion is because he thought very, very lightly of Michael Bisping, and he didn't take no. that fight seriously. I mean, in fairness, he may only be champion because Chris Weidman threw the dumbest spin kick in the history of MMA. Well, that fight was close. Uh, we don't know who would have won that fight, and... That's not to say Chris Weidman is a slouch. Chris Weidman's one of the best. No, I'm just, I, I'm just saying the way he got the belt also took some, you know, dumb moves by his opponent. Well, the only reason he lost to Bisping was because he took him lightly. I don't think he'll be doing that with Romero. I think he'll be on his P's and Q's right from the beginning. So I have Rockhold winning this fight. You got Rock. So we all got Rockhold. Um, all right, this is gonna be fun. Curtis Blades is the favorite over Mark Hunt in Australia. Um, Curtis Blades is coming into this fight at minus 150, Mark Hunt plus 130. So basically the same betting line we're getting from, uh, the main event. Um, Mark Hunt last fought, I think Alistar smoked him, right? Am I not? Am I no, messing shit in my Derek head? Lewis. Oh, he, he knocked out Derek Lewis. That was nice to see as much as I like Derek Lewis. Um, Curtis Blades, um, hasn't lost in a while. Um, he's coming off two wins. He, he, uh, he should be four straight. He, yeah, he tested he, positive for. 
Yeah. That was Weed. The one he got overturned. He won and he had he test positive for Weed. His name is Curtis Blades. <laughs> That's exactly on, what I was going to say. Like, what do you expect? Come on, man. He sounds like a Streets of Rage character. Like, if the guy wants to hit a lie, it's okay. He only has the one loss, and that's because Francis Ngannou whooped that ass. Um, yeah, and the, I guess the doctor stopped it, too. I don't remember that fight super well, but, I mean, hey, big ups for not, you know, staring yeah, at the, the, doc- the, the rafters, you know. Yeah. Um, Marcus, is this enough? For, I mean, Mark Hunt, I don't think the UFC is trying to do Mark Hunt any favors these days. But Bobby, who do you got here? Earlier in the podcast, you said this next comment I say might make Mark's head explode, and Dana White being in this, in this the spotlight didn't. But when you said Curtis Blaze is the favorite to be Mark, <laughs> my head almost did explode. I was like, "What?" I mean, and I mean, nothing to take away from the guy. I mean, he's he's on a winning streak, right? I mean, he does have a good. He record doesn't lose. Here. It's not you know, it's not really outrageous to think that but in my mind picking this fight i mean it was mark hunt you know there was i, I think curtis blaze is you know a good up-and-comer i just i haven't seen it kind of like again we mentioned earlier that skill set from him which makes me think like okay yeah mark hunt's got the advantage standing up but if blades gets him on the ground whoo boy by the way i'm realizing you're i didn't write, say who i'm picking and you're the one writing this down i'm picking mark hunt fuck it okay by the way and yeah. I, mean, I, I am too because i feel like I, I don't think curtis blades i haven't seen from him the kind of wrestling skill set that I think he's going to be able to crowd Mark Hunt against the cage and take him down and kind of wear him that way because he's kind of tough to do. Mark Hunt has a very unique body style, if you'll say, and he's very good at getting his weight underneath him and not letting guys, you know, get the hands clasped underneath his butt and dump this guy. Um, he's tough to take down. And I think what's going to happen is, you know, Mark Hunt's going to find that punch. But at the same time, you know, not just to make this all like this is foolish matchmaking or the odds are wrong. I mean, Mark Hunt has kind of gone into this this state of like, I'm going to let the knockout materialize. I'm just going to wait for it to happen. And I haven't it, – it's it's either that where he's getting too patient or he's getting way over aggressive and he's just throwing caution to the wind and just throwing haymakers. And he doesn't look good that way. It's kind of when he plays it both ways, right? He tries to get the guy to come in and then he counters. Or the guy's getting over aggressive and he counters off that. Or he's in the clinch and, I mean – the dude's really dangerous when you're in clinch with him, but not clinched up with him because he loves to do that kind of boxing, uh, James Tony shoulder shrugging, like your two shoulders are just next to each other. You're not actually tied up and you're just shooting stuff on the pocket. That's where he throws the, the vicious uppercuts. And when you make a little space, a big overhand right as well. So, I mean, I, I like Hunt in this fight. Curtis Blades, you know, he's a good all-around fighter. I just haven't seen that thing where I'm like, yeah, if he can, if he gets the fight here, Hunt's in a lot of trouble. Maybe he gets Hunt to the ground, but it's not an easy task. A lot of people have a difficult time doing that. Um, Stefan. Man, I thought I was going to make the irrational Mark Hunt pick alone, but, oh, well, I knew Mark might. Uh, my, well, my dumb reasoning is just going to be, uh, I saw Curtis Blades is 26 years old. He is too young, too young for the heavyweight division. Not ready to go on that real prime of life. He's wing. like six years away from his prime, right? Come on now. It's too early for him. You know, this is just going to be another young buck taking an L as he has to hit his mid thirties before that championship run really gets going. Um, you know, I could feel very dumb about this. Um, uh, Mark Hunt, he, he always shows up big. So it's not like the rampage fiasco we had a week ago where we knew we were making bad choices. Mark Hunt, as a big fat guy, is incredibly dangerous still. But um, And he's at home, too, you know. He don't got to travel as much. It should be nicer. I I just want to see Mark Hunt win. I just want to see him do a walk-away call fight, even though Curtis Blades is totally still conscious and defending himself. But Mark Hunt's like, nah, it's over. 
as like Mark Hunt, I can't not pick him. Or I can't. We not got pick two. Him. We, we got two more fights till Mark Hunt and Ryzen. Um, Mike, I gonna, can't. What do you got? I you going logic here? Or? <laughs> no, of course not. I can't not not pick Mark Hunt, man. You know, so your Razor Blades is a cool name. Yeah, it's I almost want to switch to to Blades now. Just go ahead. Just to get that, just to get that lead a little longer, because I'm sure we're all making. We we do this a lot. We make this horrible. You mistake. you 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 got the same picks as Stefan so far. You got the I same do. record. All tied up. And the next fight, I have a feeling we might all pick the same person too. So I just don't know. I don't know. I might be a no. I'm I'm, Keep, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna comfortably hang out in last place, last our, place for a while. Our I think. Hardcore, it's MMA fans. Keep posted on that website. There might be a chance. It's amazing, man. It's amazing. For the love of God, we're not going to oh. get any results if people don't have our name right. It's amazing. What did I say? It's MMA. I, I mean, know, it is. It is MMA. Do it for like six years. No, we got some yeah. hardcore fans. Refresh that page every twenty minutes until the fight happens. You don't know if it's going to switch. Do you want to base it on weight class? We got the tie. Oh, 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 how, how how heavy does Mark Hunt have to show up for you to? It's not even him? the weight. It, it's a thing. Stefan said Curtis is twenty six. I'm like, well, how old's Mark Hunt? He's forty three. This guy's so old. He should not be doing this anymore. I'm nervous. I'm nervous about it. Um. Okay. Um. Are we all picking one guy? Are both Correct. these fights? I like it. All right. Um. Mark wanted to pick this fight, so here we are. Um, Ben Wynn, uh, Ben 10, if you will, um, hangs out on the Reddit MMA forums a bunch. Seems like a nice guy. He's taking on a man, which I don't want to say I've shit on him, but I've been real skeptical of him. Um, and we're talking about, uh, Juicier Formiga, a man who by all fucking intents of purpose, I really should have had a title shot by now. If he could string together like two fights against people, fucking people new, um, Ben Wynn um, is from South Dakota, the only Vietnamese guy in South Dakota. Um, take He's won a lot of – he's only lost to Luis Smolka since getting into the UFC. That makes him 4-1 and one in the UFC. He's 18-6 and six overall. He's 29 years old. I like him quite a bit. Um, Juicier Formiga, again, probably should have fought for a championship, but he keeps losing to people. Um He's 20 and 5 coming uh off a win off of uh what's the kid's name? U- Ulka Sasaki? I don't know how to say this guy's name. Yeah. Um that? so um there's no betting line. I got Ben Win. Mark, who do you got? Oh, I'm I'm glad Bobby cuz if no one picked Ben, I was going to I'm going to go with Formiga. He's winning. The other guy loses fights every other fucking fight. He does. Gotta, someone's got to beat him. He does, but he loses. And that, this is like we've made this – I've made this argument before. And, and this is why I kind of like this fight is – I don't think Formiga really brings a lot of excitement to this. I like – like you, Bobby, I like Ben Nguyen a lot. And I like his style. He kind of – he's kind of – he's a jack-of-all-trades, but he really goes after. He's an active guy. And I just – I like watching his fights. They're just really entertaining. And Formiga is kind of the opposite. A lot of his fights are very methodical and plotting – and a lot of times after the first three minutes, you kind of know what's going to happen. He's going to clinch you. He's going to take you down. He's going to control you. And maybe he'll submit you if you're lucky and get and get the fight over with early. But he's just – he is really skilled. The problem is, Bobby, like you said, he can't string together those wins. But you look at the guys he loses, and they're all the, the top guys. And, 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 and that's where the question comes in for me. Is Ben – He might be. He might be. And that's what makes it intriguing. Can't If Ben gets past Formiga – that's saying something. That's really. I mean, that. I think that raises a lot of eyebrows. Um, I, I don't know if he's there. I hope he is. Um, 
I think the safe money is on Formiga. Um, but man, I, I am, you know, my heart's pulling for Ben, but I'm going to go with Formiga. Honestly, the way Ben buzzsaw Tim Elliott, and Tim Elliott's a good fighter, man. I yeah, know he's like, that's a big win. Tim for Elliott's too. really good, and he buzzsawed him in less than a minute, and it took Mighty Mouse. Mighty Mouse ran into trouble with fucking Tim Elliott. Tim Elliott's a big guy. If, and if that fight was he right got after wrecked. the DJ one, I maybe I would pick Ben because of how impressive Tim. But he had Tim had a couple fights after that, and I think he even dropped one. I mean, Tim beat Louis uh, Smoka, who beat Ben. Yeah, yeah. You but then I mean, math. I don't know, man. I'm I'm going to Ben just because fuck it. I might as well root for the people I like to. Like I like it. Card. I like that pick. I'm jealous <laughs> of that it. pick. I'm already last. <laughs> then join me. I'm not crazy. I might be picking Blades later. So. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to see. I mean, I guess we're going to see the betting line eventually. I'm like, I don't think I'm that far off with this pick. Um, Stefan, what do you got? Um, You guys got to – you made a lot of my arguments for me. Um, And maybe Mark will rue adding this to the fight picks because I'm going to go opposite him on this. There, A tie will be broken on this. Uh, I'm going to go with Ben Wynn. Like you said, that Tim Elliott win is big in my eyes. Um. You know, when you look at Ben Wynn's record, you see he had a lot of trouble early on, but then you started to see it click. He started to see it put together. His fights got better. He got more comfortable in the style. And I know GCA Formiga's not old at 32, but he's still, I mean, this will be his 26th fight, I guess. The thing is, he, he's a real grinder style. He can either outgrapple you or he can't, and that's the fight right there in a yeah. nutshell. I mean, th the thing about guys like that is eventually that style goes off a cliff. Um, you see it with like the fitches of the world and everything. You can grapple everybody until they're just younger and more athletic than you. And I think Ben, he, he's got some athleticism to him. Um, he's, he's not one of those fighters who just tries hard. Like uh, I always said, Kenny Florian was the, the, the textbook definition of the fighter who just maximized everything he physically could. And that was like the pinnacle of what you could achieve just through maximum effort. But um, I, I think Ben's got something that that Tim Elliott one was a big eye opening. Now, can he beat a Mighty Mouse? That's what we think about at the end of the day. Maybe not. But um, I just want to cheer for a new contender because Formiga just keeps letting us down. Stefan, before we go to Mike real quickly, we did we did funniest moments in MMA. And we didn't bring up when Kenny Florian said he might be BJ Penn in the first round. In that promo video. Oh, and they cut and the they BJ cut Penn. The BJ Did he really say that shit? He's like, did he really say that shit? That was still. <laughs> this that's is up Mar there. And this is Marinovich <laughs> BJ Penn who's like jumping out of like six feet deep pools. Like, no. That might be the best guy. Like, that might be that the best fighter ever. athlete BJ Penn too. <laughs> and like, oh yeah, Kenny, Kenny's like, I got this. I got this figured out. <laughs> um, Mike, are you, you remember that Mike? <laughs> I might beat him in the first round. Hey, did he really say this shit? <laughs> BJ Penn, he really is a national uh, treasure. Oh, really? Well, what do you got here, brother? Are you going to join me and stuff, or are you going to go with the sad-looking Brazilian? He always looks so sad. Mm, I want to not finish in last this year again. I know it's still only February. I mean, I'm really making an effort to get last right now so far. So, like, there's we with each we're picking fewer and fewer fights too. But the heart wants what the heart wants, so I'm going to go with Ben Wynn. Mark, we might all be idiots. He might just take this easy on us. Or Mark might um, fall into Or, or I picked this fight just because I knew you'd all fall into the Ben Wynn trap. Like, I want to jump in my... That's what I'm saying. We might, have, we might have all fucked it up here. You might have. Um, all right. We're going to do Memoirs of a Fight Fan. Um, Stefan had a really good idea, which was, what's our favorite MMA rivalry? Um, Ooh, that is good. 
I'm, Mike clearly wasn't reading any of the group chat. No. Because um, he's just right now realizing what it was. Um, Stefan, it was your idea. Do you want to lead it off? Sure. Um, first off, I'm going to tell you what it's not. I'm going to give a wag of a finger to a rivalry which lasted very long, was prominently in the spotlight, and it was a terrible rivalry. And that is Dominic Cruz versus Team Alpha Male. That was a joke rivalry. They were chummy as hell on that season. It that was so not friendly. a rivalry. That was like two corny <laughs> dudes who really, who actually really were buddies. Bobby, I hope you didn't pick that. I'm sorry. If no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm gonna. My pick is gonna involve Mark talking a lot. Um, my rivalry, all roads lead to greatness. Uh, and as I've forgiven him about the cheating, and I, I you know, I, it's when we were going back to the original of who we think the greatest fighter is of all time. All roads go through John Jones. Uh, John Jones versus Daniel Cormier. This has been a mother effer of a rivalry. Um, the real hostility, the bad blood. The obstacle that Daniel Cormier just can't overcome. Daniel Cormier being the heel to being the hero. Because John Jones just couldn't stop fucking up. And now Daniel Cormier is getting that heavyweight title match against Stipe Miocic. Do you remember when John Jones won what he said he was going to do? He was talking about, you know, taking on Brock Lesnar and he was going to conquer the heavyweight. Daniel Cormier is now taking everything that John Jones, like, deserved and had coming his way because John Jones can't get out of his own effing way. Um... Mike, he did a dramatic reading of the greatest off-camera recorded conversation ever had. Hey, pussy, still there? Like, hey, Mike, were uh, you D- were you Mike? Were you DC or was I DC uh, when we did that? Who? <laughs> you were DC. one of us was DC. You were, you were DC. I was John Jones because I remember trying to emulate John Jones's. Like, oh yeah, I kept cool saying I kept doing that voice. I kept doing the whole. I I enjoyed saying. You think I'm just gonna let you kill me? Uh, you think uh, I'm just gonna let you kill me? I mean, uh, what's his uh, face, Dave something, who's now working for the 76ers. Just that horrified face of him trying to separate <laughs> Cormier and Jones as these Goliaths were about to collide all up on him. Uh, man, this this rivalry has been an emotional roller coaster. Like, you've seen, like, some of the low lows with a person in an athlete, like, in their private life with John Jones. And, you know, Daniel Cormier, he, he's this guy that... Oh man, he he might be the greatest of all time, but we'll never cleanly, cleanly know. I guess um, this rivalry has been spectacular. It's been must see, and um, it doesn't seem like we're ever going to get that third chapter. But man, will I always want it? Um, all right. Um, I got one. That's my actual pick. Um, you know, fuck it. I'll just go with my actual pick, and then at the end, I'll throw in random shit. Um. And I said Mark's going to be joining me for this a lot of it because he's a better source of information remembering most of this than I am. I got Quentin Jackson and Vanderlei Silva. Um, it's a rivalry that took, I want to say, from 2000. Do you remember what year they first fought, Mark? Like 2004, it was, 2003? It was in the first um, Light Heavyweight Grand Prix, and I can't remember. I think it was 04. Like 03, 04, something like that. Yeah. And then the third, they fought again. The first two fights, Quentin Jackson got knocked out. Um, in the third one, he hit Vanderlei as hard as one can be hit before we saw the Nganu fight. Um, it was the best left hook MMA has ever seen. Um, and then he got like three more punches in after the bell. That was a nice. Or after he was done. Um, it's one that neither one of them is still okay with, it seems like, because whenever Vanderlei wants to put something on Instagram that's a highlight of his career, it's Quentin Jackson getting knocked out. It's always a Rampage knockout. And then Rampage inevitably will post the picture of Vanderlei getting knocked out saying... I'm going to keep posting this until Vanderlei stops posting me getting knocked out. Um, it was great, man. I remember Marcus showed me videos way back in the day of, like, 
Rampage learning just enough Portuguese to call Vanderlei a pussy. Um, I enjoyed the shit out of that, man. I mean, I was a Rampage fan. I mean, I still am, sadly. And that was his biggest rivalry. It spanned two promotions and three fights. All of them were good. Um, they were all entertaining. And then, uh, shit, man. I That's my pick. Yeah, I mean, Marcus, you like one. that one? Yeah, that's yeah, I was fantastic. Guy. Um, let's go to you now. What do you got here, brother? Uh, yeah, so I kind of have two. Um, I have the the easy one, and maybe I'm stealing this from Mike because I, it's extremely current. It's still ongoing. Uh, and it's uh, Connor and uh, Nate Diaz. I think what really makes it interesting is and, and a good rivalry, right? And it, I think it's you can it's showcased in, in the two picks that you and uh, Steph did too. It's like. The, the fights were only half the battle, right? And that's kind of what you got with Nate and Connors. Like the first fight, the first time they fought was when they had an interview together and Connor couldn't get anything on Nate, right? And that's when Nate said, like, everyone's on steroids, you're on steroids. And you can just see at that point that like Connor's like, fuck, I can't mentally break this guy down because he doesn't give a fuck about what I'm saying about him, anyways. And I mean, Not and then- in a bit. And then, and then you just look at the fights themselves, and they were extremely entertaining. You know, the first one with Nate just getting beat up in that first round, but being in there, and then you know, eventually getting the better of Connor, getting the submission on him, and then the second fight where Connor and him had a great fight, but Connor was just a little too sharp. He paced himself a lot better, and was ultimately able to get that win. And I think right now it's still, you know, I mean, kind of like the DC and John Jones fight. Like this rivalry is still brewing, right? I think a lot of people are anticipating those these guys locking up again and i think the outcome is a little iffy i mean i, I kind of give the edge to connor I, I i think you know when it comes to the stand-up he he has you know a stronger punch and i think he's learned a lot from that first fight but it still would be it's still an interesting fight and it's something that i'm very much looking forward to my my other one the one that i was i thought of the connor one and i was like oh that's too that's too on the nose it's too right now i'm the pride guy i gotta think of some old shit and dig it up and uh that one sakuraba versus the gracies and Woo! I mean, really, and, and that's a good rivalry because there wasn't really a lot of shit talk, but it's pretty much literally what got pride on the map because in Japan for MMA to really take off, the Japanese audience kind kind of needs a hero. They need that person that they can really stand behind that's capable of taking on these, you know, these, these athletes that seem unbeatable. And at the time it was the Gracies, right? And when pride first started, they tried to get that with Hickson and uh, Tanaka and Tanaka is just not up for the challenge. He didn't have the skill set to be able to hang with Hickson, who, you know, is probably one of the best Gracies of them all. But, you know, it, it came time where they, they they let Sakuraba grow in his skill set. He had a lot of basically grappling only matches with uh, Vernon Tiger White and Carlos Newton and looked spectacular in those fights. And then his hands started to come together. And when he kind of really came into his own is when he fought Hoist Gracie for the first time in the Grand Prix. And, that's a historical fight, an hour and a half long, no time limit, 30-minute rounds. It went six rounds. It's slow at times. You know, it's not the most exciting minute-for-minute fight because this is a marathon, not a sprint. And I, it was also, I, I have to say this too, it was the first Pride fight I saw. I got that Grand Prix tape. I got the VHS. It was the first fight they showed. And even though there's lulls in it, you know, there's a reason why I think Steven Quadros, Boss Rutten in the booth that night was also Maury Smith. They do a really good job of kind of explaining what's going on, making it entertaining when there's these long gaps in, in activity. But you also get Sakuraba doing some crazy ass shit, jumping. You know when when uh, Hoist Gracie's in the guard position doing the jumping stop. One of my favorite moves he does, he grabs the gi, lifts him up so that uh, Hoist's legs are over his head, 
and then throws punches through his legs. There's a lot of really kind of cheeky, fun stuff he does in the fight. He ultimately won with low kicks. He goes on to fight Henzo, which was a fantastic fight. He goes on to fight Hyen. Um, it was a rivalry that went on and on, and uh, it, it really got pride, uh, you know, on the map. And Sakurawa became the hero um, that he kind of still is today. Um, so yeah, that, that's it. Also, a rivalry that was unique in that it wasn't just between one man and another man; it was between one man and that man's entire family. I, I, I almost like a nation and a family, right? Because I mean, Japan was fully behind this guy. That you know, Sakurawa was their boy. And the Gracies, I mean, more or less in, you know, MMA culture kind of made Marcus UFC. Barnett. I remember Barnett, Josh Barnett made the comment like this was almost a continuation of the Kimura and Gracie. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that rivalry that like super. Old I mean, in school. case of, people don't know the uh, the double wrist lock, as Josh Barnett and any catch wrestler will tell you it's sure. called, was the Kimura is named after a Japanese man named Kimura who faced Helio Gracie. I think it was Helio. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually just snapped his arm with it. And uh so. I, wouldn't tap. It's like from nineteen like forty or some shit like that. Yeah, they're it's fighting on cement. End. You know, it was another one yeah, of those it's a, uh, uh, Valley Judo fights, no time limit. Yeah. I think it went like two hours or something ridiculous. Yeah, it was some nuts like that, yeah. But that's where the name Kamora came from, which again, every catch wrestler will tell you. Double wrist lock. Um, Mike, I know you're gonna pick what you're gonna pick, but I want you to at least talk about the rivalry that made you a fan of this sport because top ten is the reason we're still talking to each other right now. We're still talking about MMA right now. Well, I wasn't going to say that rivalry, but the rivalry that Bobby is alluding to is the Rampage-Rashad Evans rivalry. Which the fight was not good. The fight was bad. No, but everything that was leading up to the fight was pure gold. Um, it was a rivalry that, I mean, I, I think it was something that someone like me and anyone who knows me knows that that it's probably a good part of what got me into MMA. Uh, Rashad was really cocky and a bit of a dick. And, well, Rampage was Rampage. And this was Rampage, not not old fat Rampage. This was a Rampage that was still in shape, you know, in his early 30s. Like a Rampage that, you know, was just coming off of being the, the light heavyweight champion. And... That season of tough, tough 10, the heavyweights, it wasn't a good season. Uh, as we've probably talked about before, the fights weren't very exciting. Um, mm -hmm. Most of the season was just, will Kimbo be coming back in? And then a shot to Kimbo on the Aerodyne. But uh, the real highlight of that season was any interaction between Rashad and Rampage. That The first half of every episode. You could just tell they did not like each other, but in a weird kind of way, they respected each other's uh, back talk and banter. For example, I know there was one episode where I think they were just sitting right by the octagon, and I think Rampage just very calmly, I think, just says to Rashad, I mean, you know, you can't beat me, right? <laughs> I just like, I like the. You gotta treat me like a bitch. That that whole thing. Well, I, I was like, "You're a bitch." Well, treat me like a bitch. You're a bitch. Treat me like a bitch. That or, whole like ten minute exchange. Or another one was when I think was it James McSweeney uh, tried to touch chirp up for uh, for Rashad, and uh. Rampage just yells out, "Hey, get Rashad's nuts out of your mouth." Yes, that was excellent. That um, was and just good. about that rivalry, I just remember the fight again. Not good. 
No. Um, but there's a moment from the countdown show where they ended the countdown show with Rampage hitting the mitts. And Rampage, every time he hit the mitt, he was hitting full blast. He was yelling, he's dead. He was screaming it. He was just, pow, he's dead. Pow. And that was some fucking, like, they, they sold a million pay-per-views with no belt and a garbage card. If you look up that card, it wasn't good. And they sold it on a three-round fight with Quentin Jackson and Rashad Evans just hating each other. Now they're buddies. Now, like, Rampage is on Twitch. He calls he calls Rashad at 3 in the morning and makes Dragon these nuts jokes. It's very weird. <laughs> and let's also remember, if I'm right, that was the first um, main event between two black fighters for the UFC. Yep. How no belt the world did they million get... Pay, million pay-per-views, like, no belt. UFC, that was like UFC, what, 133? 134 around there? Was that the way in uh, where Rampage yelled, there's going to be some black-on-black crime? No, he did that. He did that in he the... Did th- that. I think he did that at the Wands. He also did it in the... When they were like... He beat Jardine yeah. to be number one contender. And then they... And Rashad was still champion at the time. Before... Because uh, Rashad got in the cage. And and Rashad had been doing commentary. And he was him talking real respectfully. And then shit got real like... Everybody got real angry real quick. And they just, you know... And then at the end, he screamed, there's going to be some black-on-black violence. So, there you go. A lot of fun stuff in MMA. I mean, like, this is why we were hardcore fans, and this is why I actually was a little surprised it took uh, for this type of conversation to come up, because rivalries are what sold all of us on this sport. Rivalries are what make you care about one guy more than the other, you know? Like... I mean, hell, I mean, we've been talking... I mean, every talk... I mean, I feel we've we've done 270 episodes... We've been talking at least 200 of them about how Rampage is old and depressing us. It's nice to talk about why we why we liked them to begin with. Mike, I know that wasn't your actual pick. Did you have another one? Yes, I did. Um, I was going to pick Ronda and Misha Tate, even though, even though the rivalry in the actual ring was one-sided with Ronda winning both matches. Uh, one thing besides you know great banter and good copy between two fighters that you really need i think is a genuine hatred between the two um no one's gonna mistake i think misha and ronda for being masters at the microphone but anytime they spoke about each other you know you either got a real a true cattiness coming through or just true hatred um on the part of either of either of them uh you know, I remember at the end of that last season of uh, of Tough with uh, with Ronda and and Misha. I mean, Ronda came off of that season looking worse than when she came in because at the beginning of the season she was the golden girl. Everyone loved Ronda. She was Miss Armbar, but by the end of the season, people started to not like her not nearly as much because of just how much she hated Misha and just did not give a fuck about showing it to the to the camera. I personally loved it because that shit was real as hell. But you know that I remember we I remember thinking Mike, remember we we talked about it how we thought like Ronda's not coming off great, but one of these people comes is coming off as themselves and the other one's coming off kind of fake. Yeah. So and one group one thing that makes, I think, a great rivalry is, are you still bitter 
even when you have no reason to be at this point, because who really cares at this point? Well, I'm pretty sure that if Rhonda and Misha saw each other in the mall, they wouldn't even look at each other. They would just keep walking in, 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 the, in the opposite direction. Well, I mean, Ron is kind of a was... special case in it. I don't know if you guys yeah. caught that ESPN thing where Ramona Shelburne asked her about her losses. And she yeah, had she's not meltdown. okay. She's, yeah. she's not totally stable. And I will say that interview made me very nervous about her professional wrestling career. Like, she's like, I've not watched it at all. Like, and then just how she, you say happy go lucky, Bob, but I've heard other people who agree with my take on her, her walk down. She does not look ready for the entertainment aspect. She did not look like she knew how to sell a toughness angle. Like Ariel said, she looked like she was playing professional wrestler, and that is not a that is pretty fair. Like he, so Ariel, he's the one who said he's like, yeah. At the start of the event, go walk out there, get those butterflies out. When you walk out, you got to show up in character. You're you're trying to sell Ronda Rousey, the professional wrestler, now, and that was not good. Like, ooh, the the, the mental. I love Ronda too, so I'm not I'm not one of the people who like loves burying her but man professional wrestling is a very grueling mental game look at everyone who's died young who all the history of drug abuse there's a there's a lot of mental toughness that you need to do professional wrestling i'm worried about that, that guy she, that jacket she was wearing belonged to a guy who burned the candle at two three four five six different ends by the by just saying um and hey man, Don Fry told us by the way back to what Mike said about them still not being okay. Don Fry says if you go fight somebody and you're still angry afterwards, there's something wrong with you. And these two still don't like each other after two fights. Um. All right. Um. You guys want to do stuff we like and call it a fucking day? Sounds good to me. All right, I'm gonna go real quick. Um, Mighty Mouse was on a video game channel I watch. I know this is supposed to be not about MMA necessarily, but whatever. Uh, Mighty Mouse was on Up Up Down Down. He was playing Dragon Ball. What's the name? Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball Fighters. Is how do you say this? Game? You got it. You know what it is? Are yeah. you sure that's Dragon how it Ball is? Fighter. I thought it was Fighter Z, like the way it's a Dragon Ball Z. No, they yeah, they, they explicitly because that would make sense. But no, they said it's not Dragon Ball Fighter Z or Dragon Ball Z Fighter. It's Dragon Ball Fighters. <laughs> it's dumb. It doesn't. It goes against logic, but that is what they call it. Yeah. So um, I I've talked about up up down down a bunch of times. Um, I really like uh, Austin Creed, is his name, I guess, on the channel. Um, we're talking about Xavier Woods, professional wrestler for WWE. And he does, a, I mean, it's not really about the game playing when he brings someone on like this. He's mostly interviewing wrestlers, but, you know, he puts on guys like special guests sometimes like this. Max Holloway was the first MMA fighter on this show, um, but he was on real briefly playing EA UFC. He whooped. Someone's ass real quick. Mighty Mouse and Woods had a pretty good conversation talking about how the perception they get from other gamers since entering the world here. And it was just nice to see Mighty Mouse get some burn because a lot of people watch that uh, gaming channel. I think Woods has like a million and a half subscribers. And then he did some other gaming thing, which I didn't even watch yet, but I guess Mighty Mouse played video game against Odell Beckham Jr. and, Jer and Jamie Foxx. So I'm just happy Mighty Mouse is out there with people who, you know, maybe more people see him doing stuff, you know, because I'm this biggest fucking fan. So it was just, it made, and I love Up, Up, Down, Down. So that in itself made me really, I mean, I told Mark the second I saw it how excited I was to go home and watch it. So it lived up. Um, all right, uh, Mike, what do you got this week? Hmm, you're going to have to come back to me because I don't know what I like yet. Your preparation is awe-inspiring. Stefan, 
I mean, you ain't got to force anything, Mike. If nothing's new, nothing's new. Because nothing's new for me. Um, I'm 70 hours deep into Monster Hunter World. I talked about it last week, and it's pretty much all I've been doing uh, with my um, leisure time lately. Um, I will say uh, big ups to um, Netflix. Uh, I haven't watched it yet. The reviews are mixed, but I I just want to check it out. Um, They debuted a trailer Super Bowl commercial and then launched a new movie right at the conclusion of the Super Bowl. Um, and that is the new Cloverfield movie. Um, I liked the original found footage style. That was like an homage to like big uh, Japanese monster films. Um, I liked the kind of spinoff. Not really. It's not a sequel. So like if you saw it, um, the Cloverfield Lane, I thought, thought that was an interesting thriller movie in itself. Um, John Goodman played a wonderful character that he was in that movie. Um, but I'm excited about that. Um, and I asked you about it earlier. Uh from the Super Bowl commercials, Tide was the winner. Uh, those Tide commercials were amazing. Is every commercial a Tide commercial? Good job, David Harbour. Um, I wonder how they could afford to pay for all those commercials. <laughs> Maybe it's because children are eating their fucking, you know, oh, laundry one. Tide oh, yeah. has been the best detergent for a while. And have you got look at Tide? Tide's not on sale. Tide is the expensive detergent. They got money. Um, it just I guess, on the note of the Super Bowl commercials, I was really hyped with the Han Solo teaser that they showed during the Super Bowl. And then I was massively let down by the trailer that actually came out several hours later. Um, I don't know the name of the kid playing Han Solo, but you Han Solo, you are not. And that is going to make this film very tough to stomach for me. But um, uh, I'll hope for the best because I'm a Star Wars fan, but this he doesn't have the swagger, the vibe, the tone, the sound. And this is why I was worried about this project in the first place. Harrison Ford are his hefty shoes to fill. And uh, it was going to be a massive uphill battle for whoever got cast in this role. And I think the early returns do not get me excited. Steph, if you want to get even less excited, um, halfway through production, they hired an acting coach for said young Hong Solo. Yeah, it's Harrison Ford. It's Okay, you know what, guys? Lightning in a bottle. It's the Lando movie. It's the Lando movie. Let's be honest. I'm I'm there for Lando. That's what I'm here to see. Okay? It's the Lando biopic with other stuff happening. Gambino's gonna be my guy in this movie. Good luck to the kid playing Han Solo. So. That's not I mean, an easy. Then how, that's how not much, an easy. How much do you get let down if you find out like cumulatively he's like on screen for ten minutes? Like he's not I'm a, a I'm prominent a, part of the story. I'm a little worried that he somehow managed to film Atlanta season two during all this, where I'm like, yo man, how much time does Star Wars take? And he's still making that simple animated series. I don't. Ha- I need more information on that. Like him and his brother. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um. All right. Um. Mark, is that your? Let's go to Marcus here. Um. Marcus, you want to talk about the UFC game real quickly? Yeah. Then what you actually want to talk yeah, about? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I should touch on it. I mean, this is an MMA podcast. A big UFC. Okay, I shouldn't say big. A UFC game came out, and I mean, really, a roster update. Yeah, my, my, my shorthand review is a lot that you, you'll probably see on the written reviews going out now. Like, it is fundamentally a better MMA game than UFC 2 was. They they rehauled the striking, and now basically you constantly have the ability to move your fighter, right? Like, you can constantly move into the left or the right, and then they can throw strikes in motion. And that does, I mean, the animation looks a lot better um, with the stand up, and it, it fundamentally changes the gameplay. Um, from how the other previous two games uh, played. Now, that being said, 
the striking is so much better. It kind of makes the parts that are weaker in the game all that more noticeable. And it really comes to the ground game and just grappling in the game in general. They haven't really done anything to overhaul it or make it feel more natural or just make it easier for you to kind of control those moments. They seem very out of control. It's tough to defend people transitioning. It's I'm having an extremely tough time just stopping takedowns. It seems like if you don't do your block and down on the analog stick, the moment that uh, takedowns initiated, you just don't get to block it. So I get taken down constantly. Um, and, but overall, I'm still having a fun time with it. But they needed to make more drastic changes to the gameplay to kind of get me interested in playing the game again. Because I think what it what it does lack is the roster is not really all that much different than it was um, from the game two years ago. There are some new people in there that are kind of cool. I mean, they have Ishihara, which is going to be on this pay-per-view. And there's a number of other guys. But there's guys missing, like Curtis Blades isn't in the game. And a, a big one that hurts me is they took Josh Burnett out of the game. And that I could get a lot of mileage out of that guy. And not having him in the game definitely kind of diminishes the guys I'm going to be playing as. So, I mean, I think for Bobby and Steph, I know you guys weren't really all that interested in picking it up day one, and I think that's a smart choice. I think down the line, when it's cheaper, if you kind of have an itch to play UFC again, maybe then it's worth it. But I think right now, full price, it doesn't do enough different stuff. I haven't touched the um, the campaign stuff, which I know they've also uh, you know, kind of redone, and they're putting more emphasis on social media stuff and, and and that kind of aspect of the fight game. ultimate team and that bullshit i mean ultimate team's always been in there and that is where you kind of get the ea bullshit of buying loot packs to get better fighters and all this stuff you know ea kind of does to you know skim money off the top you know ultimately for me like i just play ex exhibition that's it i just play that one mode and i just make up my own stories in my head and that's a great time for me um the game is it's having a hard time holding my interest um, but it kind of comes back to what Stefan kind of mentioned. Um, I'm totally enthralled with Monster Hunter World. It is all I think about and all I want to play. And then, you know, outside of that, I mentioned Dragon Ball Fighter Z came out at the same time. That's a fantastic game. And the thing I'm actually going to be kind of pushing this week is uh, when you're listening to this, um, they have remade Shadow of the Colossus, which many people consider to be, you know, a masterpiece, a classic of the PS2 era. And what's kind of cool is this is a game that kind of came out of nowhere. It's uh, Shadow of the Colossus is a fantastic game. It is considered to be one of the best games, period. Um, but it was released on the PS2, and not that long ago, maybe five years ago, they remastered it for the PS3. I got it. I played a little bit of it then. I kind of you know was able to scratch that itch. And now they they what they've done here is they've remade it, right? So not only does it 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 looks vastly better than the ps2 or even the remaster of ps3 they re-overhauled a lot of the textures the game is just it's gorgeous it's probably one of the prettiest games i've seen period um and they've also from what i've heard they you know fixed the controls a little bit they have a different control scheme because the original control scheme was a little weird um and they basically and, and the game runs at a stable frame rate which i'm usually not too picky about choppy frame rates and stuff it doesn't bother me that much it is very noticeable in the PS2 and I think even the PS3 version. And this game runs at a solid uh, 30 frames per second on a regular PS4. If you have the Pro, you can actually run it at 60 frames. So, um, yeah, just if, you, if you've if you missed this game, um, it is a fantastic game. But don't get too mixed up. It is, it is really kind of a platform puzzle game. You're basically fighting these. It's basically kind of like a boss rush mode where you're just fighting these colossi. Um, but the whole fun of the game is you're fighting this ginormous beast, and the puzzle is how do I beat this thing? 
Um, and it's just it's a great game. Uh, I'm excited to play it. It's only forty bucks, so it's not a full price game. Um, yeah, and if you've never played uh, Shadow of the Colossus before, I, I think it's definitely worth giving it a shot. We're getting a lot of background noise for something. Okay, I got dogs and people living here, so. Yeah, um, Mike, do you have anything? Yes. Uh, it's been a pretty boring last few weeks for me, just doing a lot of studying, but I did start watching the second season of the Shannara Chronicles that just uh, premiered on Netflix about a week ago, so I guess I'll mention that. And I guess another thing I'll mention, Bobby sent a picture in our group chat that seven years ago today, uh, we met our idol. We met our unofficial mascot, Nate Diaz, when we went to the, to the gun store. That was also the day that the, the sweet, nice lady who was helping us out uh, after she left, Steph just so happened to say, "Oh God, <laughs> she does." Oh Jesus! <laughs> so I'll never forget that. And I, mean, well, I guess I have a thing. I when I go travel, I I meet porn stars. Yeah, yeah that's we met Akira uh, when we were in Barcelona. Uh, yeah. it's, it's not yeah. that it was a porn star, Stefan. That's not the part that's noteworthy of that story. I mean, it's, I'm 31 now. Are we about to go about this seven-year-ago journey? All right, whatever. Um, and also, 32 years ago today, Mrs. Rajabi had our boy, Bobby. So, happy Bobby, birthday, Bobby, happy birthday. Thanks, guys. Much appreciated. So, um, stuff we all like, Bobby. <laughs> true. That's not true. I don't like That's not true. I know Bobby's mom. Don't like thinking about her giving birth to Bobby. Kind of gross. Yeah. But I just like to think it's Bobby's birthday. That's great. We can leave the, the childbearing part uh, out of my mind. We all came up um, somewhere, Mark. We did. I, I When I know the person, it's just a little weird. You know, the po- you know the podcast is getting late when Mike just relves into porn and childbirth and Jesus Christ. Um, thank you, guys. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah. Today's my birthday. Uh, 32 years ago today, I was born. Uh, 60 years ago today, the United States lost a nuke off the coast of Georgia and never found it. So sleep well, people. Um, and 15 years ago today, Colin Powell went in front of the United Nations, lied to people about Iraq and weapons of mass destruction, and we still got troops there. Um, but seven years ago today, we made a lot of money when Anderson Silva kicked Vitor Belfort in the face. I'm going to say we cleared a grand between the four of us. Yeah, that's about right. In profit. Maybe. About a grand in profit, I want to say that night. Yeah, not bad. You remember a lot you of know? shit that happened on your birthday, Bobby. <laughs> well, I I know those other ones, and then uh, well, I put that picture in the group chat. And my phone tells me when you know on this day seven years ago. So yeah, good on you. Um, all right, guys, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. Is there a card the week after this? Mm, that's a good uh, question. It's like a Bellator or something of uh, Cerrone's fighting. Yeah, I think that is the next one. Cerrone is and that, is that next? Yeah, that's on the eighteenth. That's a good. F- that is awesome. That's a five round fight. Yep. And you got Derek okay. Lewis pulling up. Yeah, I'm watching that. So not too bad. It's 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 free. All right. I'm Actually, I'll you know, look at this card now. This is a better card than the one this weekend. <laughs> and we got we got Francis. We got a uh, Sage Northcott against some bum. Yeah, you got North. We got James Aguilar. You you got James Vick. James Vick don't lose fights, man. James Vick is good too. We got the lesser Camozzi, if possible, on this card. Sarah Morace is on this card just for Stefan. This is better than this card. They have a better chance of getting people's money for this one. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week to talk about another 
card where there's like three things worth talking about. We'll see if the UFC throws enough money so that their injured middleweight champ, an injured bantamweight champion can fight on a card. So yeah, this sport's going great, guys. Just peachy. Um, thank you all. Thank you to the guys for their birthday wishes. And I mean, none of you guys wish me happy birthday, but if you do, thank you. Um, peace out. See ya. See ya. Later. Later.